listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. So, I loved BMX biking when I was a kid. Like, I was crazy about BMX biking, and, and if you asked me my future goal, what my future goals were in life, um, you know, probably I would have showed you that clip from the movie Rad, because <laughs> I, 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 always, I always wanted to um, be able to do that, that bicycle boogie at the senior prom. That was like my ideal senior prom, and, and so... so um, so almost needless to say, Kim and I have been working on it, and and uh, and so we're almost we're almost ready to make our debut, but um, uh, we're not quite there yet. We still have some fine tuning to do. But um, <laughs> I used to spend hours and hours every day on my bike trying to find something dangerous to jump off of or. St- a steep hill to fly down, um, or or even a like um, trying to like my friends and I used to build ramps until they broke, you know, and and then we would like fix them up. Oh yeah, that looks safe. Let's jump off of that, you know. And and um, our apartment complex had these big open parking lots, right? And and we would back way up until we knew we were sure to gain enough speed to get the maximum air time, right? Like the hang time. And and man, did we. like. Um, and my son, Owen, now is really into BMX biking, uh, which makes my heart just like burst with happiness, right? And um, for for his birthday, some, some dear friends blessed him by helping him buy a super nice BMX bike. And, and ever since then, we've been going to the Ukaipa skate park. And um, so he can kind of learn how to cruise the bowl and, you know, um, work up his courage to do some tricks. And uh, But a long time ago, I, I've been to the Ukaipa skate park a lot. I actually used to skate there on my days off some days. And and when I first started going there, I saw all these super talented, like really talented kids, right? I mean, they're doing all kinds of tricks and flips and like like on bikes, skateboards, scooters, you name it. Like, And I would just watch like in amazement like, whoa, you know, like how do they not like bust a hip or something, right? Like... And, and, and I mean, seriously, some of these kids were doing like, no joke, double backflips like on scooters and stuff. And, and it would happen so fast that if you blinked your eyes, you would miss it. And, and, and it was just crazy. And, and after a while of being there, my dad instincts started to kind of take over a little bit, right? Like, I'm just thinking, I'm looking around, and none of these kids, none of them except mine, are wearing helmets. None of them, right? And, and, and I'm starting to have this conversation with myself that went something like this. Man, uh, none of these kids are wearing helmets. Like, do, do they know how dangerous these tricks they're doing are? I mean, all it takes is for one misstep, and boom, the lights go out, right? And and well, well, maybe they can't afford helmets, right? Like maybe they can't. So, so after several minutes of having this conversation with myself, I decide to go ask one of the boys at the park, um, like, like, 
uh, hey man, those are some, so I find a kid and I'm like, hey man, those are some pretty sweet tricks you're, you're doing there. Like, I don't know if they call them tricks. I don't, maybe that's geeky. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I'm sure I sounded like a complete dad. Like, hey man, hey, hey, hey sport, you know, <laughs> right? Hey sport. Um, those are some, some pretty sweet tricks you're out there doing. And, and, and the kid was like, uh, thanks, <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah, I was just I was just noticing that none of you guys are wearing helmets. Is that because you don't have one? Because in my mind, right, I'm already in Oprah mode. Like, okay, well, we could have a fundraiser, and we could, you know, like we could we could have a fundraiser, and you get a helmet, and you get a helmet. You know, everybody gets helmets. No, you know, I'm already in in Oprah mode, and and uh, I'm like, so I say to the kid, is it because you don't have one? And uh, and he's like. He's like, um, no, I, I, I have one, <laughs> you know, I have one, it's at home. And um, uh, I was like, well, you know, why don't you wear it? Uh, you know, some, some of those tricks look pretty dangerous. And he was like, uh, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and, and, and I don't know if all of a sudden he was kind of like stranger danger or what, but like. <laughs> Out of nowhere, he just is kind of like, uh, I don't know, whatever, and skates off, you know? And, and, and for some reason, even to this day, that observation and, and interaction with that kid stuck with me because I, I think it's because the, of the complete lack of regard for his own well-being the boy showed um, that, that gets me a little. I, I don't know why it is, but I, I'm like, you know, I'm thinking of my own boys, like, I want you guys to be safe, you know? And, and, uh, but, but to be honest, I was the same way. I never wore a helmet when I was a kid either. And, and, I, and I think that's why I think and talk really slowly is because I never wore a helmet. But uh, this boy had access, right? He had access to equipment that could protect him in, in profound ways. And yet every day he grabs his skateboard, right? Because that's the exciting part. He grabs his skateboard and leaves the thing that will pr- protect him when he falls at home. Uh, why? Because it's not cool? Because it's cumbersome? Uh, because it's old-fashioned? Because... He knows what he's doing because he feels like he knows what he's doing, right? Like, and isn't, like he knows what he's doing, so he's not going to get hurt. I mean, he's, he's facing real danger every time he skates. And, and, and does that, do those sound like a good excuse to use? The truth is, they're not good excuses, right? And... Uh, and yet, many of us completely ignore the gifts God has given us for our protection and to ward off the evil we encounter day in and day out in life. And, and uh, we're in a teaching series right now called Resolved, and we're taking a few weeks to focus on what it means to be resolved in your faith. Uh, we all want to be good people, and yet sometimes we do bad things. Uh, when trials or temptations sometimes arise, 
our resolve uh, to do what's right or to stay faithful to God vanishes like a rabbit in a magician's hat, right, sometimes. Uh, if, you, if you missed out on any of the series, like Cardo said, uh, you can catch up on the, on the podcast or on the mission app. Um, you can just go to our website and download it there. But on week one, we discussed how there is a battle going on within all of us, a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And the flesh is a metaphor for our sinful desires and the desires of the body and mind that are not of God. And the flesh is part of us that uh, is the part of us that's concerned with what we want now instead of God, instead of what God wants for us, right? And the, whole, the, the spirit is the Holy Spirit the, the, that lives within every true Christ follower. Simply put, the Holy Spirit is the personal presence of God, right? And the spirit is always guiding us and nudging us to live the life God intended us to live and to be the person that God created us uniquely to be. Right and, and the flesh and the spirit want two very different things, right? They want two different things, and they are always at odds. This is the war going on inside every Jesus-believing Christian, the war of the flesh and the spirit, which is why we need to be battle-ready, right, uh, and, and resolved, to follow God's leading. And, and last week, Ricardo uh, spoke about why we should even try to be resolved because isn't there grace for when we sin, right? Uh, Ricardo said we should desire to be resolved because God promises to empower you. And by acting on this empowerment, we can become partakers of his divine nature, did you know you can become a partaker of God's divine nature? Uh, Ricardo said another a promise God makes us is happiness through fruitful resolve. Jesus says in John 15 that if we keep his commandments, we will abide in his love. And if we choose to do those things, he will give us his joy, which is the fullness of joy that is more precious than gold and sweeter than the honey of the honeycomb, which, oddly enough, somebody brought to my house a giant honeycomb from their house. It's pretty much useless because I don't know how to get the honey, but um, (laughs) anyways, uh, Ricardo finished by saying that uh, because Jesus made us his own, because Jesus made us his own, we resolve to walk in holiness. We strive to be resolved not because we can do it on our own, but because Jesus made us his own, right? Not because we can do it on our own, but Jesus made, it, made us his own. So far, uh, we've talked about the what, the problem uh, with being resolved, and we've discussed the why, why we should want to be resolved, right? And today we're going to talk, we're going to begin to talk about how we can be resolved, how we can be resolved. And, and for that, we need to look at the characteristics of God that he has given us to use and strengthen our resolve. So turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. Ephesians 6, 
10. I'm, I'm, I'm reading out of the ESV just in case you care. Um, uh, the book of, of Ephesians, if you don't know, is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to uh, a Jesus-believing church in the city of Ephesus. And uh, Paul covers many topics in this letter, but the main themes are Christ as um, Christ has reconciled all creation to himself and to God, and that Christ has united people from all nations to himself and to one another in his church. Uh, Paul goes on to communicate that all of this was done by the powerful, sovereign, free work of God, which is only recognized and received through his grace alone, right? And because of that grace, Christians are called to lead lives that radiate their gratitude for that work. And in chapter six, Paul is kind of, concluding his letter, he's wrapping it up, and, and uh, he gives them the keys for how to be resolved in their faith. And we pick this section of Scripture up in verse 10 through 20. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it out loud. Read along with me if you can. Um, not necessarily out loud, but if you want to, I mean, you can. <laughs> Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, uh, take up the shield of faith with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all uh, perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that the word may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, uh, I feel like we could spend a few months just like unpacking that uh, everything that that scripture has to say to us. But today, I want to focus on a few key things that pertain to strengthening your resolve. And the first thing that needs to be pointed out, because it's very easily overlooked in that scripture, Scripture uh, is the, the thing I want to point out is is in the very first verse, verse ten. Uh, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of your own might. Oh wait, 
does it, does it, is that what it says? No, oh no, it says, uh, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, right? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. I think sometimes when we read this scripture, we so hastily rush into the action of striving to put on the full armor of God that we forget to take a moment and remember whose armor it is, right? We forget to pause and remember whose might we are called to be strong in, right? It's really easy to jump right into action without thinking. Too many times I have uh, thought of this armor as my own armor, right? My own armor. And, And that's usually about the time I get the tar beat out of me because the full armor of Jason is basically like a bubble wrap suit like compared to the, ar- to the armor of God, right? And, and, and we, we humble ourselves and recognize whose armor it, it is, who, who be- it belongs to, and those whose strength it is that we're called to be strong in. Only then will we have the strength to stand against the devil's schemes. And God's strength, not ours, is what's needed for this battle. And, and when fighting these kinds of battles on our own, on our own in our own strength, we lose every time. Because as, the verse 12, as verse 12 very clearly says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Have you ever found yourself saying that these are dark times we live in? I, I've found myself saying that. In fact, I think I said it yesterday. But, um, and, and man, if, if, if you've said that, you're right. Like, these are dark times we live in, and that's because the devil and his whole army only have one job, right? And it varies. The job is to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. But God sent Jesus that we may have life and have it to the full. And that's why his strength is what we need. Because we we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Like like if I'm just wrestling against Ricardo, like that's a no-brainer, I win. (laughs) Right? I mean, we both have bad backs, so there's a pretty good chance, like, we'll just both give up. But... um, Oh, okay. all right. Sounds good. But but if I'm if I'm fighting against flesh and blood, like yeah, there's a chance I can win that. But Satan has a whole army at his disposal, which we just read about. We're fighting against the rulers, the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That sounds like a gnarly bunch to me, right? And when I think that, I I, I think like 
I don't want to go up against those people alone. And yet, some days, I do. Some days, you do, right? And we lose because we go in our own strength, right? So verse 13 goes on to say, therefore, which maybe you've heard the old pastor soundbite when you see a therefore in the Bible, you need to ask yourself what it's therefore, right? And in case, and in this case, it's, it's there because it's about to tell us how to be battle ready against these evil forces. And, and, and so it says this in verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God and that you may be able to withstand Uh, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances. Take up the shield of faith with with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation. Each one of these pieces of armor could be its own very valid message, I feel like. And maybe we'll do that sometime. But for today, today we're going to just focus on uh, a couple of things because we do need the full armor of God. Uh, so, so we've read about the belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the shield, and the helmet. What do you notice about all those things? They're all for our protection, right? Uh, just like the helmet that that skater kid chooses to leave behind every day, right? So, some of us choose and begin day after day completely unprotected. Uh, wide open for a f- attack, defenseless, and we wonder why we struggle so much. These are all God-given attributes of himself that he asks us to put on for our protection, right? Uh, these are the defensive tools, and I don't, I don't see a weapon in the bunch, right? Those are the defensive tools, the protection tools, uh, I mean, I guess the shield if you're Captain America, but he just retired, so, and I, and I think Kim may have thrown a shoe at me once or twice, but um, those aren't really, those aren't really weapons, right? I, I want to draw your attention to the second half of verse 17, because this is where Paul starts to give us the offensive key to being resolved, and, and I'm going to start back at verse 16 and read, and read forward. Uh, he says this, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Did you know the word of God is a weapon? So far, it's the only offensive weapon listed in the armor of God. And this isn't the only place that the word of God is referred to as a weapon. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive 
and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Yes, so good. When you have the word of God embedded in your heart, through its truth, you can see through the lies of the enemy, even the ones you would normally sell yourself on, which I'm very familiar with, uh, because the word of God divides. It slices through the deceptive nature of sin and temptation, but you have to be familiar with your weapon. I'm pretty sure that the police officers don't just get a gun without being trained for weeks and weeks on how to use it properly. And even after they know how to use it properly, they carry it day in and day out. They clean it and they spend time maintaining it. They are familiar with their weapon. And we need to be familiar with ours. Jesus sets this example even before he started his ministry. Right? Jesus didn't start his ministry till he was 30, right? And in Matthew 4, Jesus is led by the Spirit of God out to the wilderness, and there he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And the, and the Bible goes on to specifically note that he was hungry. Duh, right? <laughs> when, when he thought, uh, and when he thought Jesus was at his weakest, the devil came to tempt Jesus. In verse 3 of Matthew 4, Satan begins, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left. He left. And behold, angels came and were ministering to him. At each one of Satan's attempts, Jesus comes back with the same phrase. It is written. It is written, right? Jesus is familiar with his weapon. The devil tried to tempt Jesus with his physical needs because he knew he was hungry. He tried to tempt Jesus by questioning his identity. If you are the son of God, right? The devil knew exactly who Jesus was, uh, but he was going to try to get Jesus to doubt it, uh, just like he tries to get us to doubt our identity as a new creation in Christ, right? And 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 in one desperate last Hail Mary, the devil tries to tempt Jesus by giving him a shortcut to what he would receive 
as the resurrected Christ, right? All, all these things were his anyway. The Son of God was there at the day the world was made, but the God-man, Jesus Christ, would receive all authority in, heaven, in the heavens and the earth after he bore the sins of the world on the cross. The devil's trying to tempt him with a shortcut around God's plan for him. And at each attempt, Jesus is completely resolved and picks up the sword of the Spirit and says, it is written, right? The word of God is the sword of the Spirit, and, it is, and, and to be able to use this mighty weapon, you need to be familiar with it. You need to hide it away in your heart so that at your weakest moments, you're ready to draw your weapon, right? But that's not the only weapon Paul mentions in, in Ephesians 6. There, uh, the word of God is the only one he uses in armor metaphor to describe, but there is also a secret weapon, right? We're getting James Bond on you right now. To discover the secret weapon, we need to go back to Ephesians 6, verses 17 and 18. They say this, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. When you read the whole passage, it's so easy to miss, but the secret weapon Paul is mentioning is prayer, prayer, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Supplication isn't a word that we use often, but it means the act of asking or begging for something in an earnest and humble way. That's what supplication means. Prayer is a resource in spiritual warfare that a lot of people undervalue. Prayer is, uh, is to permeate every believer's life, which is, which is indicated by the use of all four times in 18. Prayer at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication that to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. <sighs> I'm running out of time, and I would love to camp here for another hour, but I think the children's church teachers would kill me. So um, Jesus sets the example at the end of his ministry for using prayer as a, as a weapon against temptation and strengthening his resolve. Jesus made a practice of praying and getting away to a quiet place with the Father all the time. And the, and the more he became known uh, by the people and, and more people were asking him for things and seeking him out, the more he got away to be quiet and pray with the Father. Uh, you, you need to read the story on your own. It's in Matthew 26, 36. But... Before beginning the journey to the cross, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he goes off alone and prays out of his anguish, out of the anguish of his heart, and he 
Jesus was begging God to give him another way, another path to follow because the road to the cross was going to be marked by so much pain, right? But after going away to pray three separate times, basically all night, Jesus' resolve strengthened, and he knew what he must do. He knew what must be done. And, And prayer is the secret weapon of resolve for us, too. So if Jesus did it before he started his ministry, and it's one of the last things he ever did, What's that say for us? Those two tools are powerful. The sword of the spirit, praying without ceasing, those are powerful, powerful tools. My point is this, as the worship team makes their way back, this is my point. Many of us are just like that skater kid who does all these crazy backflips and tr- tricks and, and chooses daily not to wear a helmet for his protection. God gave us these attributes of himself and his own strength because on our own, we are completely vulnerable. What if I told you that there was a new piece of legislation that was uh, trying to outlaw police officers from wearing any protective equipment and also from carrying their weapon. What if I told you that? I'm pretty sure a lot of you would have a fit, right? Oh my word, can I hear the Facebook rants coming now? And rightfully so, even though I think Facebook memes and rants are completely worthless. um, This would definitely be something to be upset about, right? Why? Because we know that the enemy of police, the enemy police officers face are real. And and they're a real threat to their lives because some days they wake up and they go to work and they find themselves unexpectedly in a war. This is why they need to be ready at all times because they never fully know what they're walking into. And my proposal to you today is that it's no different for you or I. It's no different. There is a battle going on inside us. And it is not a battle against flesh and blood. So be resolved in your faith and and resolved to do what's right. To be resolved, the, the thing to be resolved in the thing God has asked you to be faithful in. You need to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. This is how you become resolved and prepared for battle. We cover ourselves in the armor God has given us access to. 
and we familiarize ourselves with the weapons he has so graciously given us. That is what it looks like to be battle ready. So I want to encourage you this week find some time to get alone with God and pray even if it's for five minutes even if it's for ten get alone with God and pray but don't just speak leave room to listen to and I want to encourage you also pick up the sword of the spirit Begin to familiarize yourself with the Bible. And it doesn't have to be daunting. You can read a couple of verses a day. I can recommend a good, if you're like, yeah, but I don't understand any of it. Like I can give, I can, I can help you with that. And it would be my joy to help you with that. I can help you find a modern translation. I can help you find a commentary that will explain everything. Like there are tools but we have to lay down our excuses and pick up our weapons. All right, let's, uh, let's move into a time of prayer. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the full armor that you've given us access to, Lord. You're so good to us. God, help us to challenge each other to be prepared and battle-ready. Lord, we just covered two things in the full armor of God. But I believe within those two things, the others are bread. So, Father, give us courage. Give us, Lord, Help us to clear away the excuses and lies we buy into all the time in our head, Lord. Help us to see it for what it is, God. A battle that is not against flesh and blood. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.